This is the only horror movie where the topless lady is the only survivor. Hello, and welcome to Cover Your Eyes podcast. Today we're talking about an American werewolf in London from 1981. Um, I'm Sarah Devereaux, and this is Holly Oliver. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, welcome. Since it's Halloween time and fall and spooky feeling, we thought this would be a good movie to do because it's kind of scary, but also just kind of like lighthearted and funny, which is a really difficult balance to achieve. And I think they did a good job. What do you think? An American Werewolf in London is like on the same level for me as Poltergeist, Poltergeist in the sense that some of my primary memories are like wrapped up in this movie because my mom really loved this movie. <laughs> and it was like Naughty. on a lot. There's a lot of nudity in this movie. I know. I really like that guy. Maybe. This might be where my love of butts came from, actually. There's a lot of nude butt running around in this movie. You're right. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I saw this movie at home. Uh, I was probably like five. The first time. And I remember liking it because he turned into a werewolf. And I thought the special effects were really cool. And my mom had explained to me that it was all special effects. So I wasn't actually scared when he turned into the werewolf. Um, the way that like maybe a lot of people were. There were other things in the movie that scared me when I was a kid. It just wasn't the werewolf scene. And then Thriller is like a joint memory with an American werewolf. Because I have the same thing with Thriller. Like, Thriller is like one of my first memories. Mm-hmm. Is me Really? It's like a very strong memory. Like, my first memory, not my first memory, but I guess I was probably, gosh, when did Thriller come out? I mean, it's not one of our first memories, because we were, like, too old for it to be one of our first Yeah, say, unless there was something wrong with us. Right. <laughs> um, no, it came out 1982? There's no way. We would have I remember before. having it like recorded on VHS and just watching it over and over and over and over. I don't know. I just will not. I refuse to believe the thriller video came out in 1982. <laughs> 1983 was when the actual video came out. That makes sense. In December of 83. So it was almost 84. So I was practically right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You were almost right. <laughs> and the American werewolf. One of the most distinct memories I have is of all of the people that he murdered as a wolf mm-hmm. when they go to the porn theater at the end of the movie. <laughs> and one of the things that's always stood out to me upon reflection is that 
my mom let me watch this movie like repeatedly. You know, there's the porn. It's like a very mild porn scene. Right. It's really just boobs. See, I'm sure that's what she would have said too, but that's not the part that I found disturbing. And I've seen this movie a lot when I was a little kid. And then I saw it when I was a teenager. And then I saw it again probably like three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. The thing that's so disturbing is that there's a woman moaning in the background. It's not like when you see her, that's fine. It's the, the it's the juxtaposition of the moaning in the background with people who are dead that have these horrible wounds and like flesh hanging off of their face. And like, they're all trying to convince someone to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. And there's just moaning in the background. So that's the part where I was like, this is disturbing to me today. So I just, It's really one. So I have all these like kind of fond memories of an American werewolf in London. But it's really fucked up that Mm -hmm. I thought. Like, when did you see it? I don't remember exactly when I saw it. I was probably like a little bit older, but I don't remember as much of it as you do. I mainly just remember the actor like i feel like the actor the main guy david naughton whatever his character's name is it's also david something in the movie mm-hmm. like i feel like he's one of my earliest memories like he i feel like he was in so many things which i don't know if he was but it's mainly he's my like primary memory of the movie and i thought he was just like so cute mm-hmm. and he seemed so nice and that was like I don't know. I would say he's like one of my main 80s actors that just like sticks out in my head whenever I think of anything, even though I can't think of anything else I saw him in. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's weird. He's just like Mr. 80s to me, actually. (laughs) Um, Okay, so should I do like a quick summary? Yeah, yeah. Uh This guy, David, and then his friend, Jack, are, I guess they're supposed to be teenagers or like in their 20s. I feel like they are backpacking through Europe because they said they had three months. It's just mm-hmm. the beginning of the three months. I felt like they just graduated from high school and it was going to be their last hurrah before college. Yeah. That was my impression. That makes sense. So they're just graduated from high school, we think. These two buds backpacking through Europe for three months, like she said. And the first stop that they go to is England. Are they in England? <laughs> yeah. Because oh. they're in London. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when they talk about the Moors, I always think of the Scottish Moors. And so that confused me at first. But they're in England and they get dropped off. So they start out and like they're getting they're in this truck with sheep and they get dropped off just like in the middle of nowhere, really, in like pastures in England. And like that's the beginning of their trip. And they're cold and it's getting dark and gloomy looking. And then Jack is like, why did we start out here again? And then they're just like looking forward to going to Italy, which is probably where they should have started to begin with. Yeah. And but they end up in this little pub, like in the middle of nowhere. It's like this 
charming, quaint little pub. Isn't it called like the Slaughtered Lamb Pub or something? And something seems weird there. There's like a pentagram on the wall and they're like, what's going on here? And then it turns oh. out that like this little village has a secret and they don't want anyone to know. So they let these two guys go out into the night alone knowing that there's a werewolf out there. These guys have no idea what they're getting into. They get attacked by the werewolf. One of them becomes a werewolf. One of them dies. And it's just basically like the journey through David becoming a werewolf and attacking people, then being killed. But it all happens like really fast. It seems like once he actually becomes a werewolf and then... It all seems like very lighthearted. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. It's weird. Well, I mean, John Landis is a comedy director. Mm-hmm. So there are these elements in American Werewolf of comedy that are really genuine. And then there's other times where I feel like it kind of like cheapens things. Okay. And so I think it's confusing in some ways. You know, what I'm specifically referring to is that all of the songs in the movie have moon. Mm -hmm. And then at the very end. So there's a subplot of the nurse falls in love with David And takes him to her apartment after he gets out of the hospital. His friend's dead. And they have this nice relationship. But at the end of the movie, David's full wolf. He's loose in Piccadilly Circus. Um, The cops are going to shoot him. Alex, the nurse, she just like muscles her way through the cops goes up to the wolf looks looks the wolf in its eyes and is like speaking to david and she tells him that she loves him and then the cops kill him and then you see him at the very end he's nude and he's kind of curled up in a certain way he's like laid out like a sculpture it's intense and I actually cry at the end of this movie. I really like that she knows he's not going to hurt her. That he's still in there somewhere. Yeah. And it's just really beautiful. And then Blue Man mm-hmm. comes on. And I'm like immediately. Immediately. It's like so inappropriate (laughs) like what did you think of that like i was definitely startled by the ending because i didn't remember it because i hadn't seen (laughs) it in so long and it's like this really intense emotional moment and you see him laying there sprawled out turned into human form with multiple bullet wounds in his side laying like on trash in the alley because that's where they had chased him to and I was like, oh, my gosh, he's really dead. And then all of a sudden, yeah, just it's over. And oh, then it goes into the most like because they played different versions of the Blue Moon song throughout. Mm-hmm. And then they ended at that moment with like the most campy, you know, 50s beboppy one of all. So it seems like even more 
inappropriate to, to the moment. But I guess that just goes along with the whole kind of campy, lighthearted element of the movie. But it kind of like at the end pulled you in and seemed more serious. And then it just like shocks you out of it with that song. And it's like, oh, wait, this was all kind of campy and lighthearted throughout. So I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very good. And I thought that they did a good balance of, like I said, the comedy and the horror and keeping you interested in it um, and keeping you interested in like David's journey. And he had like a very lovable personality and he and the nurse had like a very cute relationship. So it had a lot of different elements to it that like kept you pulled in. And I thought the special effects were really good for 1981. I was like, how did they do this? Because it was just like steady shots of him with his hand expanding to become like a werewolf claw. And there was no break in it. Like it looked like it was really happening. Yeah. I, when I was a kid, I saw this movie so many times, I think because I wanted to see him transform into a werewolf like like i don't ever remember that scene scaring me i always just remember being like transfixed by it when you were talking about how he was just ends up dead in an alley laying on trash it made me think of how the boys coming back from vietnam were treated mm. And it, the, it's that scene, the scene after when David's in the hospital and he's recovering and he's lost his best friend and he's having nightmares and he doesn't fully realize what's happening at all yet. So he's having these nightmares and then he has this nightmare about these monsters that are dressed up in uniform with machine guns that come into his family's house and he, and they murder everyone in the house, including David. Yeah. And it's like, he got attacked by a monster in that dream, but the monster in the dream was the United States military or like whatever military. So the monster in that dream is the military and then whoa but it's also interesting because when he was out on the moors with jack so jack gets murdered right in front of him and then he gets attacked and then mm-hmm. when he comes he gets attacked by the monster and then when he comes back he's different it's much like all of these boys that came back from vietnam oh who my god were very different because blowing my mind right now because <laughs> they got attacked by the monster called war yes so oh my god <laughs> there's so many parallels <laughs> i'm freaking out right now it's like they're 18 yes or 19 like they're just the age to get sent off to war mm-hmm Right after and they're high just school. dropped off in the middle of this country that they're not familiar with, that they're not from <sighs> to this like with this enemy that's just lurking around them in the dark in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And the and the townspeople can't help them. 
mm-hmm. you know, and like these boys got dropped into Vietnam and they didn't know who was there. Everybody looks the same. They're not wearing uniforms. It's the enemy that lurks in plain sight. Mm-hmm. And that is part of what makes war more brutal when you don't know who your enemy is because then everyone's your enemy. And when everyone's your enemy, people do things that are monstrous that yeah. only a werewolf could do. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So that first scene, they're just like these two young boys out in the dark, out in the wilderness. They're not familiar with the landscape and the territory, but the enemy is. And so it knows where to go and knows where to follow them to. And they're trying to escape and they can't, they just get disoriented and lost. It's very scary when it's like, you can hear the werewolf. Like all you hear is the growling, like it's in front of them. Then it's behind them. And they're like, we're surrounded. There's nothing we can do. It's very scary without actually like showing anything scary. You just like feel that horror that they're feeling and the helplessness that they're feeling. And then they're running away, running away. And then, like you said, Jack gets attacked. And at first, David is so scared. He just runs away and, like, leaves his friend to be attacked. And I was like, that's shitty. But then I was like, that's human. Because what's he going to do against a werewolf? Like, he doesn't have any weapons. There's nothing he can do. So he might as well try to save himself, try to go get help. But then eventually he's like, you know, I can't leave him. So he goes back for him. But it's too late. He sees his friend is dead and then he gets attacked too. So he had to like witness his friend's death. And it's like a mauling. Yeah, it's it's like a brutal, brutal death. His body's destroyed. God, it's totally like so many parallels (laughs) to like PTSD or even from the earlier wars, like they called shell shock. The same things of all these young men just like thrown out there dealing with this monstrous enemy and having like no tools to handle it and everyone's saying that it's not real Mm -hmm. you you're not really a werewolf you don't Mm -hmm. actually get triggered by something that turns you into another thing that you have no control over Mm -hmm. it's fine the moon is the trigger (laughs) And then he's being visited by his friend who is dead, which, like, I'm sure happens to those people who saw their friends die. Mm -hmm. He has survivor's guilt. Totally. And his friend keeps telling him to, oh, you know what? I guess we're going to talk about suicide on this episode because... Mm his friend who's dead is like you need to die because you're a werewolf and you're going to kill a bunch of people and you don't want to kill people so you know what you have to do so we are going to be talking about suicide and i know that that is a actual trigger for people so Mm -hmm. but it's like survivor's guilt of i survived you know, what else could I have done in this situation? I didn't save my friend. I'm the only one left. Like, you know how many guys, like, you know, they lost, like, almost everybody in their unit or, like, mm-hmm. it's, like, these ambushes. Like, there's just, it's really horrible. I think people don't remember how fucking awful Vietnam was. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Um, I mean, I didn't live through it at all, but it's, like, 
we grew up in a time period when it was extremely fresh. Like, like we had, you know, parents or not, we didn't have parents, but we had friends who had parents who served the, their dad served in Vietnam. Like Mm -hmm. that was just what happened. So I forgot what I was going to say about that. Um, Oh, just how totally horrible it was. David. He's in this, like, he has a new reality now, you know, not only so like he's, he's in an environment that is once again familiar because he's in a city now he's in London and, um, but his friend is dead and nobody knows what he's been through because people were told that it was like a madman and not a werewolf. Um, and he, he's like trying to explain, you know, that like something weird is going on with him. Cause he's having all these nightmares and he's still in the hospital. And then this U S embassy guy is called into the hospital. Cause he's in another country, you know, so they call the U S embassy guy and the, and he comes in and he's this real stiff guy. And David's like seriously upset because he just found out his friend Jack is dead because he doesn't like totally remember everything. And the U.S. Embassy guy, Mr. Collins, he says, this is no reason for hysterics. Mm-hmm. And I thought, so now we have a, an official United States government representative in this movie telling us that we should disregard the pain of our young men coming home from battle. Just to lay that back into the whole Vietnam thing. Exactly. <laughs> Yes, that scene really bothered me. And I feel like it's painfully accurate as the like how people are treated. Even today, just like thinking about scenarios in the hospital of when people are just displaying like normal human emotion and they're basically categorized as like overreacting or hysterical, you know, and it's like this still happens. This is a normal reaction. And just because it's something you don't feel like dealing with that's interfering with like your agenda, that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with that person. And that's how David was being treated too. It was, and I feel like that's how women have been treated just like on a regular basis forever. <laughs> I know. Well, that was the other, that was my other comment on it. When I, the when he said that I was thinking, yeah, I was like, David, I know you're a werewolf and everything, but now it's like you're going to have to deal with, like, trouble once a month. Mm-hmm. And you're also going to have to deal with people telling you that the things you experience as your reality aren't real. Right. So I'm like, David, welcome to womanhood. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's a whole other thing of the werewolf um legend that's like another side of the coin that we could get into mm. yeah monthly cycle out of control alternate personality vagina dentata mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah 
all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a parallel there too. Yes. <sighs> this movie is like oh. a metaphor for war. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah, totally. So here's something else I thought was very interesting about the commentary of brutality and how it breeds brutality in this little way. So nurse Alex is going on with her day in the hospital and this little, this cute little boy, she's like, she's like hanging out, checking in on him and stuff. And he's reading this um, like slapstick comic book that has like bam or whatever wop you know the funny violence of Mm -hmm. cartoons and comics and then this other little boy runs up and and punches nurse alex on the butt and then runs away and she gets this really disturbed look on her face like she's super not okay with the fact of what just happened but she's also like doesn't say anything about it but i thought how interesting that they would combine the same kind of like punching a girl like it's okay to like to just sort of playfully hurt a woman out of nowhere and in combination with this little kid reading this comic book that's like got a lot of like violence in it and then later in the movie this is very not that long after whenever we get into david's dream sequence where the military men with machine guns come in and gun down everybody in his house the his little brother and sister are watching a punch and judy cartoon Oh, yeah, they're watching The Muppet Show, and then, like, The Muppets are talking about Punch and Judy. Right, right. That's another reference in my mind. I was like, okay, I wasn't just, like, totally overextending myself in the interpretation of the comic book whenever she gets, whenever Alex gets punched in the ass. Um, Because I'm like, Punch and Judy is, like, so fucking violent and awful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, beat your wives, kids. So I thought that was also interesting reference to domestic violence and how domestic violence, like the abuser plays into this domestic abuse cycle that the werewolf also has a cycle of abuse where he goes, there's the honeymoon period where he's just this nice, normal guy. But then he turns into a monster and then he's back to normal. And in a lot of cases, he's like, oh, uh, I don't even know what you're talking about, honey. I don't remember. Uh, how did you get that black eye? Mm-hmm. I mean, like guys do that now, whether they're faking it, I don't know. I, I do believe people can black out from like committing violence. I think people black out during that. Yeah, I just thought, oh, OK, so this movie is about like dem- or like werewolves are about like war and domestic abuse <laughs> or this movie yeah in that movie mm-hmm. <laughs> i can um, see that yeah i like that when they were the muppets were watching the punch and judy and um miss piggy was like calling it out as like this isn't funny like this is abuse and i was like go miss piggy mm-hmm. she's always been my favorite <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. 
he had the episode where he did all the horrible things and the next day he didn't remember. And then that next day he felt like really great and he was like super extra affectionate with her. Yeah. And it's totally like after they do something terrible, then they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I love you. And they're like extra affectionate to like win you back until they do it again. And so even though he didn't like abuse her in any way, Mm -hmm. he was being violent. So it's like, Yeah. yeah, totally. So, did you read a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court? I feel like we've read it in high school or yeah, something. We did read it in high school. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was interesting that she was reading him that book because he's like, gets act like the, it's about a guy who accidentally gets transported into King Arthur's Court, but he's like a modern day man mm-hmm. kind of a deal. I just, I don't remember a whole lot about it, but I just sort of that, that vague point of a stranger being thrown into a completely foreign land and customs. Mm-hmm. Um, and just how I just felt like that might've been like a little nod to David's situation of being a werewolf now. Yes. And he's a Yankee. Yeah, and he's a Yankee. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why she picked the book. Nurse and then it said something about like how I don't remember the words, but yeah, it, when the last thing she read was like, oh, you know, I couldn't help but like him because he was something, something, something. And it was like her telling him that she liked him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely parallels there. So I have a question. Mm-hmm. Nurse Alex is taking care of David in the hospital. She's like his primary nurse. And then they immediately strike up a romantic relationship upon leaving the hospital. And Mm -hmm. and he actually stays at her apartment. And I was just wondering if she could get in trouble for that. I know. I was definitely wondering that too. (laughs) Because, like, is there the same rules? Because, like, a doctor would not be able to do that. No. (laughs) I mean, it's like, I was wondering that too. And I was like, well, it's, you know, a different country. So the rules are probably different. It's 1981. So probably there are no rules. Well, yeah, yeah. There's and, a, I just meant like yeah. today. If it right. were today, I would say that since it's not like a continuing relationship, mm-hmm. then you could probably do it since he's technically not her patient anymore. Okay. But I feel like it's a gray area. So is it just like, is it only shrinks that will lose their license if they fuck their patients? Or- no. Is it technically like no doctors should be? Are you offended that I just said shrinks? Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah, technically no doctors are supposed to have relationships with their patients like that. Okay. Um, I wasn't sure. And as long as they're still patients, and I think it has to be like a year or something that they can't be your patient anymore before you can uh, right. have a relationship. So it's not like totally impossible. No. But also, who's going to wait? Right. I mean. No one's going to wait. Right. That's not the point, right? (laughs) Mm -mm. 
So I think I think Nurse Alex is kind of kinky. That's my personal opinion. <laughs> Why do you think that? She just kind of was like really into this kid, but like also she's older. I was wondering. So I was you like, know? she looks older. Is she supposed to be older? Right, I, she is, right? I mean, we just think about things so differently now as, as far as like power dynamics. Just naturally, you know, I think of like, okay, well, when you're 18, even if, even when you're like 24, and so like a 24-year-old and an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, mm-hmm. like that's not like that much of an age difference years-wise, but it's a, like, a huge difference. It's a huge gap otherwise, mentally yeah. and emotionally. And that's true in most cases, but that's whatever it is. But then you put on top of that, like this really vulnerable, there's like a patient in a really vulnerable position and his friend just died. Where are his parents? They're in another country and they're not answering the phone when he calls. (laughs) I'm like, but Jack said that his parents went to the funeral went to jack's funeral so they know what happened right he did his parent okay so you're a parent like i'm like oh my god this is so 80s like his parents are such 80s parents so he goes on a backpacking trip with his best friend like his lifelong best friend they go on a they go on this trip trip of a lifetime and then his best friend is brutally murdered and he is in the hospital alone. Eh. Eh, we'll just stay here. I think it'll be okay. We'll just go to Jack's funeral and stay here. <laughs> Our boy is strong. He'll recover on his own. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, you're right. They don't even come see him or anything, and they know what happened. Yeah. He was in a coma for, like, three weeks or something, I think they said. It's <laughs> yeah. like There was plenty of time to get there. I mean, okay, so that bugs me every time I watch it, and I'm wondering mm-hmm. if, if Nana pointed it out when I was a kid, because she would, like, point stuff like that out. Mm-hmm. Even more so, I would notice it. That's not a quote, but it does sum up the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Being brutally attacked, which by what they thought was a serial killer or something at that time, being in a coma for three weeks and having your best friend die in another country, that's not enough. For, they're like, the tickets are really expensive. <laughs> You're okay, right? You're alive. We'll see you when you get back. Also, could you only call between the hours of 2 a.m. and 5 a.m.? Because that's when the rates are cheapest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And so at one point, like when he realizes what he's done after he realizes that he is the werewolf because he reads in the paper about like the murders that happened the night before. And he doesn't remember what happened the night before, except he woke up naked in the zoo in the wolf cage. And then he puts it together like, oh, God, it's true. I am the werewolf. And then so he goes to make like one last call to his family in one of those amazing like red telephone booths in London. 
And he's going to commit suicide after that because he realizes like that's what he has to do to save other people from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he calls to make like his final goodbyes. And his little sister answers the phone. And he's like, is mom there? No. Is dad there? No. Is anyone there? No, 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 no. He's like, you're home alone. And then he's like, mom and dad would never leave me home alone when I was 10. And it's like, yeah, of course. It's the 80s. There's a child completely alone (laughs) when they're 10 years old. Me included. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. 10. That was like, damn. I was doing it way earlier than that. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) But so, yeah, his family's just like MIA. And the only person he gets to talk to is his little sister. And he's like, well, tell everyone I love them. Yeah, I'm gonna die now. We're around. Bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna die alone now in a foreign country. Okay, this is like kind of random, but it does have something to do with children. Um, so you know the little boy that Benjamin that Alex Nurse Alex keeps checking on. Those were kind of randomly in the movie. So at one point, she said she asked him. If he'd ever been beaten around the face and head. Do you remember that scene? Um, no, I don't remember that part. He was like, he was like um kind of teasing her, and she said it like teasing back. But I was like, uh, I feel like the implication is like, if you don't knock it off, I'm gonna beat you. That's little boy that was laying in the bed and like whatever she asked him, he would say, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then she <laughs> said, have you ever been beaten around the face and head? And he said, no, no. So, I mean, it was all just a joke, but I was just mm-hmm. sort of like, wow, you could not get away with like even joking <laughs> like that vaguely. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> I thought it was funny this was like this little vignette I felt like where you because it, it suddenly cuts to um, a man and woman and they're having a great time and they're like a couple they're a happy couple and they're going to their friends for dinner and they start to go in the front and then the guy's like let's go around the back and scare our friends we'll go around the back way so they go to do that and then they of course get attacked by David as a werewolf and you don't really like see it but you know it happens and it's pretty awful so then the wife who's up in the apartment is like I think I heard something you know like she goes something's going on out there the hooligans are in the park again you know that kind of thing Mm-hmm. And then the husband goes, Christ woman, aren't you ready yet? Yeah. Like, he's not even listening to her at all. He's just like, she's not even trying to get ready. Like, this completely, it was just like, oh, you talked. You're a woman and you talked. Like, I need to find something wrong in this situation. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Just stood out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just like very dismissive of her concerns and like, oh, you're imagining things or her completely valid concerns. Exactly. 
Yeah. And he's like uh, finishing lighting the candles and stuff, getting ready for the dinner party. And it's like, shouldn't you be doing this instead of noticing what's going on outside or calling attention to problems? <laughs> yeah. Like, why are you paying attention to the outside world when you mm-hmm. should be doing this woman's work? Exactly. Yeah. But I like that she sends him outside to see what it is and be put in danger. <laughs> Yeah, I said, you know, Harry, so his friend goes out and finds Harry's body out in their yard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you know, Harry did a really good job terrifying his friends, I guess. Yeah, above and like, beyond. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Harry. <laughs> He's like walking and then he steps on something that's like squishy and he looks yeah. down and it's like Harry's arm or something. Yeah, it's disgusting. And then he just has this look on his face like, uh-huh. it's so English. Like all of the reactions, <laughs> everything that happens are so like stifled and subdued. <laughs> that makes it funnier too. Oh gosh. So we do have, we do have a um, Dr. Hirsch who is a very open-minded doctor Mm-hmm. So he's kind of like investigating. He goes to the back to that town where everything happened. And, you know, people are like, oh, no, we're not talking about this at all. I was just glad that um, that like the doctor was open minded and it wasn't just because, you know, sometimes in movies, they just have these like really annoying characters that are just like, I oppose everything because I have to. There has to be a character in this movie that opposes everything because we need conflict because it's a movie. Mm-hmm. And I was really glad that there wasn't a doctor. The doctor character was not that. There wasn't any character that was like, I'm going to be resistant just to add extra tension. Except for the police chief investigator guy. He he like filled that role. Yeah, but I also felt... Yeah, no, he did, but I also felt like it's not over the top because somebody does have to come in and say, you're not a werewolf, kid. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to talk about why I'm afraid of uh, subway tunnels? Why are you afraid of subway tunnels? Well, because in this movie, there's a horrible, scary scene of a man in a lonely subway tunnel in London, and he's getting stalked by David the werewolf. And it's really scary. And there's also, did you notice all of the Wendy's burgers posters behind the guy in the subway tunnel? I did notice the burgers, but I couldn't tell where they were from. Yeah, Wendy's and oh. the slogan on this on them or it's made for you. Mm. And I was like, oh, it's like this guy is a piece of meat. Made for David. But it's also like now we know how cows feel when they're getting rounded up to be taken to slaughter. Mm. Sorry, cows. So I'm like, is this like a is this like pro vegetarian? Maybe it was. It was like all the way up the escalator. It was Wendy's posters behind him. Where's the beef? Where's the beef? 
on the escalator. Uh-huh. And then right before he finally got attacked, um, so the whole time he's just being like, this isn't funny. Like he's hearing growling and stuff and he's trying to like stay all composed. Like, I'm going to report to you. And he's completely alone, which is so scary. And he's just trying to like keep it together and stay composed. And then finally he sees him and he was like, Jesus Christ. And then he's standing like right by the poster for see you next Wednesday. That's what I know. <laughs> and I was like, why? Why not Tuesday, guys? What are you doing? I know. Why not Tuesday? <laughs> you totally. <laughs> how did you how did you miss this mm-hmm. yeah maybe that wasn't a thing in the early 80s i guess but i feel like i think david used the c word at one point when he was like yelling at the cop and saying like all those things to try to get himself arrested oh yeah call them the c word yeah when the guy does get attacked finally in the subway and he's standing next to the poster for the see you next wednesday and it says like it's going to be a real orgy or whatever. And that ends up being like the same movie theater where everything like culminates at the end where you have the disturbing scene, like you said, of like the porno with a woman moaning, like juxtaposed with the murders and like the dead bodies that are his victims come back to life to speak to him mm-hmm. and the moaning like continuously in the background. And it is creepy. And I feel like it could like, Especially for little kids, like, cross some wires. Yes. That can lead to some, like, kinks. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I was thinking, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it's, like, I would, okay, even if I, for some weird reason, I don't have kids, let my kid watch up until this point, there's no way. And it's not because there's boobies. Mm Mm-hmm. It's because the moaning and the gore in combination is not great for children. No. <laughs> it's like mixed signals. So, yeah, that whole scene is just so intense. I feel like it's just so, like, primal, guttural, graphic, base. Like, all of our base drives together in one scene they're yeah. like the sex and the feeding on the bodies and the fear of the person seeing the werewolf it's just like all of our primal instincts combined mm-hmm. in one scene just going back to the vietnam thing i feel like when we got in like the 70s and 80s were well up until this point really the 70s is like there was a lot of in your face sex stuff and like porn had become mainstream with the release and popularity of like deep throat and <laughs> you know other there's a few other ones like blockbusters w it's does like, dallas yeah, Debbie does tell That's like, so you have all these, you have these like Vietnam guys coming back to this culture that's now like the, the brutality of the war 
not just Vietnam, but the denial of the brutality that everyone endured during World War II and World War One and the Depression. Like, mm-hmm. Let's just brush all of that away. Let's push it into the recesses and hope that the full moon does not shine a light on that corner of the house where we put all of our collective trauma about the just like series of brutal things that happened. Instead, we're going to bombard ourselves with external stimuli, including, you know, graphic sex. And also just sort of this like fucking to be numb that seemed to become popular in the 70s. You know, obviously I know that like probably the majority of the people in the 70s like aren't swinger weren't swingers and like there was actually a lot of very conservative younger people in the seven sixties and seventies that like people don't really talk about very much because everybody wants to talk about hippies and fucking and cocaine and rock and roll. So, (laughs) so that's what we think like, Oh, the seventies are just like an orgy in every house or whatever. Then that's totally not true. But there was also this thing in, in the culture that was showing that like, no, actually, you know, everybody is fucking and like there's orgies and like this sexual liberation, but and this drug, you know, revolution and all this stuff. But when it really comes down to it, it's not that much different from what these people's parents were doing, which was like drinking copious amounts of alcohol and chain smoking to stay as numb as possible because they don't want to have to look at the brutality of what they went through, like in world war two and then ending the Korean war. And then, uh, and then it turns into this, a shadow. It's just this shadow that is, that hovers around everyone who doesn't want to talk about the trauma experiences that happen. And so, everything's quiet and everything's quiet and we pretend it's normal and we pretend it's normal and then bam the trigger and the explosion. So I just kept coming back to that. Like every so often, you know, there's like another scene that sort of reinforced that for me. Um, And in the movie theater, I was just thinking about it in the sense of like our, of the, um, the addictions in the United States that have been, well, not just the United States, but like the Western addictions that are encouraged, like, you know, food. So we have the Wendy's fast food burger. We have alcohol with the, the, you know, the disinterested villagers in the bar. They were all drunk. Mm-hmm. Then we've got the sex in the porn theater. These are the things that we're told are important. Oh, and then also, did you notice all of the the Mickey Mouse stuff that was in the Mickey yeah. Mouse figurines in Nurse Alley? I guess I think of like, I don't know if people, I guess people didn't really think of, I think of Walt Disney as be, like Disney as being like materialistic and the like perpetuating the the delusion of the American dream by having 
those Mickey Mouse figurines around. It was like a a reference point back to being bombarded by distractions and external stimuli that gets the Americans to be complacent and numb and robotic. Just like that guy that works at the U.S. Embassy, Mr. Collins. And like Mickey Mouse is a vehicle for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Mickey was like prominent, especially during the like transformation scene where he first becomes the werewolf. And I was like, well, I know there's something here, but I'm not sure exactly what it is. <laughs> um, I'm not a Mickey Mouse fan. Me either. I never have been. Me either. But I did love Disneyland when I was a kid. But that's different. <laughs> like, of course. Yes. <laughs> um, the other thing that, um, like, because you're mentioning, like, all this Vietnam stuff, then that made me think of, like, when he does come to Alex's apartment and the, he encounters that dog on the street and the dog's barking at him like crazy. And then he encounters the cat and the cat's, like, hissing at him. And he's like, what's going on? Why are they acting like this to me? Like, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm normal. I didn't do anything. Why are they treating me this way? And it's like, yeah, how the soldiers were treated when they came back and people would like spit on them and do horrible things to them. And they're like, why are you treating me this way? Like I was forced to do this for my country. I didn't do this on purpose. I didn't enjoy it. I've suffered for it. And like, everyone's treating me differently now. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why. And that's how the animals were with David. Oh my God, you're right. Oh my God. Damn. Oh my God. You need to like, <laughs> you need to look and like see more about this. This is crazy what you <laughs> discovered. I wonder if they ever talked about this. Or I like, don't know. Thing. So I didn't really look to see if there was like any analysis. Yeah. No, it. I like it when you just do your own. But then now I want to like know more to see if that was an right. intention because it's runs along so well yeah definitely i looked up the actor to see his name um and then to see how old he was because how old do you think he was during the movie because we're trying to figure out like how old he was supposed to be Mm, 24 he was 30 what yeah wow he looked really young Mm-hmm. I thought like he was probably 20 because he was born in 1951 and it came out in 81. So oh, yeah, he was maybe 29 or something when he was filming. Right. And he was like, wow. crazy. Guess he's not a smoker. No, I guess not. <laughs> oh, he used to do Dr. Pepper commercials too. Oh, oh, that's probably where we know him from. That must be it. Oh, my God. That's probably why we remember him as just like a fixture of childhood. Completely. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) I have a friend, too, named James, and he's always reminded me of him. Aw. Oh, you know what else? So, um, you know, at the end, so we were talking about, so his friend Jack (laughs) keeps coming back to, like, be like, hey, kill yourself. 
you're killing people, you better off yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So it co- like we're saying, we get to this porn theater. I thought the other thing that was really interesting about it is that so okay, werewolfery is transmitted through blood. Okay. So it's 1981. So this is like predictive. Mm-hmm. But they're in a porno house. There's sex sounds, moaning happening. There's all of these dead people telling him he needs to kill himself so he doesn't spread his disease. Mm-hmm. Werewolfery. Does this sound like AIDS? Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is like creepily predictive. This is about the porno film. Mm-hmm. See you next Wednesday. That was actually made by the movie makers of An American Werewolf. I can that's, see that. Yeah, that's not like, you know, a real porn they use. Mm-hmm. So, but did you notice? So, at the beginning of the porn, there's two people, there's a man and a woman, and they're having sex. And then this guy bursts in and he's just like, What are you doing? And, you know, it's just very upset. And you're like, Oh, no, you know, like this guy's fucking his wife and he just caught him and then the wife then the woman pops up and he really he's like oh shit like i have the wrong house like i have the wrong apartment or whatever so he like burst into the wrong place so then later when the porn comes back on the woman is answering a phone and it's the wrong number yeah i was wondering about because i was like this must be just a porn they made for the movie because it's kind of funny like the movie it's Mm -hmm. like it doesn't ever get very graphic and then it's like you think it's gonna be the guy bursting in and like that's my wife get away from her but then really he's like oh i don't know you and then the guy is like uh i don't know who you are either and you thought like it was either gonna turn violent or that it was gonna turn to a threesome and then (laughs) it just like devolved into nothing and (laughs) diffused and he laughed He's like, oh, oops, sorry. <laughs> yeah. There's <laughs> like, that was weird. And then the couple just goes right back to it. Yeah, you only killed one woman. Yeah. The rest were all men. Mm-hmm. And then when he bursts out of the porn theater and breaks through the door and he attacks the person, um, it's the police like lieutenant guy who had been not believing him and saying that it was just like a madman on the loose, that it wasn't a wolf. And then he's the one that gets beheaded by the werewolf. Have you ever read um, Steppenwolf by Herman Hess? No, I read a different book by Herman Hess. But I didn't read Steppenwolf. I just know Steppenwolf as a band right. from like the 70s. Mm-hmm. I don't remember a lot from that book because I read it more than 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But there's a guy, the like character, he's he thinks he's a wolf. Oh. And there's a woman who's like, has, you know, who loves him and is just like, you're not you're more than that like you're not just this like werewolf like you're 
something else, like your multi-faceted, like brilliant human, you know, like you're not just the worst things you think about yourself. Mm-hmm. But what is interesting is that but he goes to a theater in that book. Oh. And like everything changes. I don't remember very much of it, but but I was just like, I wonder if that has anything to do with because they like end in a theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, it's probably some kind of throwback to that. Yeah. yeah, so I guess I think this is about Vietnam. To summarize, mm-hmm. I would also say that I really don't think my mom should have let me watch this. Mm-hmm. Especially repeatedly. Mm-hmm. I'm really, I feel really lucky that I did not get my wires crossed by that, the ending scene. And um, I think that I learned that women are fucking rad from this movie. Because <laughs> the nurse is like a total, she's completely brave. She's just like, mm-hmm. but she's brave. Her bravery comes from her heart, from being an open-hearted, loving person. Like that's that made her her love made her the bravest person on Piccadilly. That was significant for me. But otherwise, as a kid, I feel like I just sort of thought this movie was like kind of weirdly fun mm-hmm. because the like the special effects are so fucking cool (laughs) quite frankly (laughs) they were they were so good so advanced yeah like they still hold up yeah i don't know how they did it i know it's amazing it is amazing it's not computerized it's like it's totally real it's totally real you can (laughs) see the skin it looks real you can see like all the pores and it's amazing. And the hair popping out. I know. It's crazy. It's so good. It's like fingers are getting longer. And there's all those cracking sounds. Yes. How about you? Like, I felt like this movie was, like, really good to women. It was good to women. Only one woman was killed. And they don't show it. She wasn't, like like stripped naked and then brutalized you don't even see any woman being killed no the porn was like it was a porn but i mean it wasn't like very graphic or like demeaning to women it was like a loving couple Mm -hmm. and a woman is like a hero at the end and a strong character throughout i mean for me i just think that it gave me like a deep-rooted love of the actor that played David that, like, stayed with me in my brain forever. (laughs) That was the main thing I got from it. Nice. My favorite quote was just, like, I guess when he was at the zoo and he was, like, naked because he woke up naked in the wolf pen and he's running all around the zoo and he's just, like, trying to get things to cover his body with and then he takes the balloons from that little boy and then the little boy goes up to his mom and he was like, I'm not an American man stole my balloons. Exactly. Thank That's you what I wrote down. 
Yep, that was it. We we have the same quote. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad you did that accent so I didn't have to. Yay. I practice making my British accent as terrible as possible. (laughs) So I hope I... Here, let me try to make it worse. A neck and a mark and man stole my balloons. <laughs> <laughs> that was worse. Awesome. <laughs> he turned into like a cockney old woman instead of a little boy now. That makes it even better. You got range. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, damn. Oh my God. I don't know. So like a question I'm thinking, yeah. thinking like, so I was thinking of like, have you ever had a friend who like turned into like a crazy person when they drank or something like that, like transforming like the wolf, but we kind of got something like that when we asked if you had a friend last time who like you know, when you go out with them, something crazy is going to happen and they're going to go ham or go off. I was thinking, I was wondering if any of you had ever been on a date with your patient. Have or you brought ever... them home to live with you like as soon as they're discharged? Okay, so have you been a, are you a nurse or a doctor and you met a patient? And they and then um, they were discharged from the hospital, and you're like, "Hey, you want to come live with me?" <laughs> Have you ever done that? We've got like a very small pool here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Damn it. Um, seriously though, I want to know about that. Yeah, um, or it could just be like you dated them. You didn't have to bring them home to live with yeah. you. I guess that's really specific. It's super specific. <laughs> It'd be um, cool if we did get a story about it, though, but mm-hmm. a small section of the population. You know, I would like to know if anybody has ever been had like exposure where they felt like, oh, fuck, I'm like in the presence of a werewolf. What? Yeah, I because I okay, that, too. Well, because like something we didn't really talk about is like, are werewolves real? Now I've always I've always felt that they weren't in their Same. literal form of like a actual physical transma- transformation into a new creature. Mm-hmm. But I imagine that there's people out there who have had experiences that were werewolvian in nature. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So I would like to hear about your werewolvian experiences. I mean, I would definitely, if that's actually happened to someone or they suspected it. Yes. Even if it's like metaphorical, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but if it's real, I want to hear that even more. Yes. <laughs> All right. Definitely. Um. So any of those things. It's yeah. like very broad this time. Yes. We'll, we'll hear anything that you have that even resembles any of the questions that we asked. Exactly. Let us know at coverrisepodcast at gmail.com. 
And if your story is good, we'll read it. Mm-hmm. It's got to be good, though. Yeah. It's got to be real. No filler. No filler. No creepy pasta. No compliments. We do not want to hear your compliments. <laughs> yeah. Wait, let me rephrase that. I actually really like compliments. I'm totally cool accepting compliments. But I don't know about you personally, Sarah. You seem like you're pretty good taking a compliment. You think so? Yeah, I mean, you pull it off. When I give you compliments, I feel like you're like, oh, thank you. Like, genuinely. All right. I've been working on that. You're doing a good job. Well, thank you. (laughs) I don't think that compliment. (laughs) Nice. So I guess I was thinking you can give us compliments, write a review on what is it? Apple podcasts. If you want to, we have a new adventure over at Patreon. We're reading sweet Valley high. I don't know how many books, but we're doing that at least for this week. We're going to be reading double love. (laughs) The very first book in the Sweet Valley High saga. Oh, that's the very first? Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. That makes me think of double glove. <laughs> I don't know what that means. To make sense. I think that means like wearing two condoms. Oh. <laughs> oh, but or technically it also means like double gloving like for a procedure too. <laughs> Like a medical procedure? Yeah, like you're wearing two sets of gloves. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Okay. Okay. So this time I'm going to say see you next Wednesday. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Because of the movie. Uh. Um, Thank you for listening. And um, we hope that you enjoyed. And join us next time. Thank you. See you next Wednesday. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Cover Your Eyes Podcast. We love it when you subscribe, rate, and review. You can also visit our store on Redbubble at Cover Your Eyes Podcast. On Patreon. It's twice the melodrama and double the fun. Find it on patreon.com backslash cover your eyes. Oh, don't forget, if you have your own memories of this movie, let us know. Email us at podcast at gmail.com. It's like, (laughs) what does it take to get your attention, parents?